0: what else they have in store because I know at one point they rumored, they were rumored to have a, a fighting game in the works and I'm like when <laughs> you know when is that coming out because uh, I'm a fighting game fanboy so it's just like I, I can't wait for that so I'm geeking out yeah, yeah, yeah. basically is what I'm saying
1: Hello there, listener, and welcome to the 24th Roundtable episode of the MetaCast. I'm your host, Nico, and today I'm joined by Jon and CA, or Jonathan Ras Friedman and Chong An. Today we're discussing three topics. First, we're talking about Roblox, its earnings that they're going into learning. And then, as our second topic, uh, are discussing some major publishers who are looking at blockchain, and then also the major uh, fundraises that have been happening in the space more notably 40 in the past week raised to 750 million a nice number or a nice amount of money to to do whatever <laughs> they're planning with and then finally we're uh talking about riots that surprised announces two games and it dropped two other games also yesterday everything uh, hot of the press and then finally we're doing bold predictions about Riot games um i'm a riot fanboy i've played league of legends when i was well, let's say eight years ago um but i've been following the esports scene ever since and i think they're uh, an amazing company um but first yeah it's been a while since we had uh, both ca and yawn on the pod so um i guess you know re- welcomes are in order ca how are things going man
0: yeah good good thank you yeah happy to be back on um great to see you guys uh we've been we've been pretty busy here uh, at mythical so it's been exciting for us as well Um, You know, we just recently raised uh, our Series C, um, which was amazing. Uh, You know, it's like one of the fastest Series C's uh, or, you know, fundraising from round to round that I've been a part of. Uh, Because, you know, it it just felt like yesterday that we, you know, finalized our Series B and then we went straight into our Series C. So, yeah, it's been a bit of a bit of a roller coaster in in all the positive ways. Um, And we made a a ton of announcements on, you know, various development partners um, that we've signed up for. You know, uh, you know, New Star, uh, you know, Creative Mobile, Abstraction, Cryptozoic. Uh, so we have a lot of really interesting projects, you know, in the hopper. Um, and I can't wait to share more about that, you know, into the near future. Um, in addition to some other announcements that, you know, we're kind of holding back for the time being. Um, and, you know, we'll we'll let you and the rest of the rest of the guys know, you know, what's coming down the pike, you know, in the very near future.
1: Cool. Exciting. All right, Jan, welcome to the show again.
2: Great to be back. Thank you, Nico, and uh, great to be here with CA. Uh, Yeah, things are good. Things are busy. Uh, There's a lot going on broadly in the space. Um, Great to see interesting developments happening on blockchain. So look forward to digging on that in item two. And of course, you know, with SuperSocial, we're heads down building and creating on the Roblox platform. There's enormous opportunities there. Um, A lot to talk about with regards to the evolution of the platform uh, both for developers and for brands. Uh, and so look forward to unpack some of that as we talk about the results. And yeah, all good. Weather is starting to be cold and fresh here in the Midwest. And, uh, you know, feeling energized for today's uh, podcast.
1: Nice. That's super glad to hear that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, let's dive in. A few weeks ago, we talked about um, the developer Conference of Roblox, where you gave some insights in in kind of the strategies um, and, and all the uh, extra functionalities they were adding for developers um, last week. They gave their uh, earnings reports. Uh, what can you share about about that, Jan?
2: Yeah, you know, I think overall, what's really phenomenal about um, Roblox on the let's say on the good and on, on the on the good side of things, they have grown their revenue uh, over a hundred percent quarter over quarter from twenty. 20- 20, uh, which is just extraordinary. Something from you know basically doubling from around 250 million dollars in Q3 2020 to uh, just above 500 million dollar in Q um, Q3 this year, um, which is which is which is really phenomenal. Um, and I think what's also interesting is that they are able to do that and grow their daily active users also to a peak historic peak for the company at about 47 million daily active users uh, and they've managed to do all of that after you know their core audience uh, at the moment the you know kids and and kind of pre-teens have gone back to school um, in during Q3 and so I mm. think that highlights the what I obviously believed, uh, strongly, uh, even during the pandemic and, and in the run-up to kind of back to school, that the human, the, the, the user behavior is not going to change. If you if you saw what kids do and what users are playing and what they're doing and why they're doing it on Roblox, you kind of realize that there is a fundamental shift on how um, you know young people interact and socialize and play. And I've said it in many opportunities that I don't think that's going to change. Quite the opposite. They're going to go to school, but then really what they're going to want to do is be on Roblox. Um, and so, you know, I've been interacting and playing with different kids, with my 11-year-old niece. And and I think you see that now in the numbers. Revenue is up uh, 100% quarter over quarter, uh, which is pretty phenomenal. Daily active users continue to grow. Um, I think on the other front, what's interesting is uh, that while their revenue grew twice, the um, uh, uh, doubled. I, I actually think it's interesting that the developer earnings have only grew at half the rate. So revenue grew by 100%, but the developer earnings grew only by 50% quarter over quarter. And, and you see a, a downtrend trajectory of the developer income. And I think that's interesting. I'm not sure what's the reason or what does that mean for the growth of the developer income. Um, the developer the amount of developers that are building on the platform i just thought it's an interesting data point that i haven't really seen folks in the media kind of referring to because obviously one key flywheel of the roblox platform is more developers building more experiences and really extending and expanding the ever growing catalog of games and experiences that are that are available on the platform and so i would say that's kind of the The two key Mm. highlights, and maybe a third highlight, I would add, is obviously Roblox, to the disappointment of some of their shareholders probably, um, is now in a second quarter uh, where they lose, uh, essentially, their their negative uh, profit. Uh, And so, you know, a lot of analysts are kind of called it out, I saw. And and I I don't think that's actually a major point at this stage. You're talking about a high-growth company with a very strong flywheel. You know, if I'm an analyst, what I would want to look at is how many developers are continuing to join the platform, the daily active users that continue to grow. Um, You see levels of engagement higher than ever before. These are all powerful things that feed right into the flywheels of the company. Um, And it makes sense that Roblox, as a $60 billion company, would spend more on R&D, would spend more to grow the team. You know, they're valued at about $60 billion plus market cap with about 1,400 employees. and they have so much thing, so many things they need to do and build to expand their platform. And so I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next several quarters also, uh, the company is not going to show profits. Uh, but I think in the long term it's fine. And you know, Nico, you know my prediction that uh, by the end of this decade, Roblox will have a bigger market cap than Facebook. It's, it's going to take investment to get there. Um, and I believe in the long term, it would prove itself. I might be wrong, but that's sort of the way I think about it. Uh, so short term may not be profitable. Long term, strong flywheels. You continue to see the growth, more developers, more technologies, more investments in the platform. And I think that is all very encouraging.
1: Hmm. So if I understand correctly, the developer payouts are not necessarily declining. They're just not growing less fast than the Robux revenues. Right?
2: yeah correct the, the the developer the developer payouts is actually growing phenomenally this year Roblox is expecting 500 million dollar in developer payouts okay. up from 330 million last year I mean this is phenomenal growth of the developer in uh, developer payout in general what I've referred to to your point is the rate of growth of the developer payout is decreasing hmm. we we've moved from you know and and 200 thousand percent uh 200 okay. percent uh growth of the of the developer payout and in this quarter it's showing um it's showing uh you know about 52% of growth last quarter it was also 53% growth quarter over quarter and and I think if you look at the developer exchange fees uh that Roblox pay out to developers you know and you look at the rate of growth in Q2 2020 obviously the boom year of of covid you have seen 260% quarter-over-quarter growth in developer payout, going down to 220 Q3 2020, going down to 186% in Q4 2020, and all the way to 53% quarter-over-quarter growth in Q2 this year, and again, 52% in Q3. And Hmm. I think that's an interesting dynamic. I don't think it says that much at the moment. Just really important to look at, Revenue really grows, continue to, the rate of growth of the revenue is impressive, but the rate of growth of the developer payout is decreasing. And I just think it's a trend to watch out for.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm just curious, right? So, you know, Roblox's ecosystem is dependent on a lot of really great developers making great content, those experiences. Um, do you feel like Roblox as a, as a whole, as a studio, um, do you feel like maybe they're, Getting a lot more involved, figuring out different lines of business and revenue streams, you know, internally versus, you know, just, I'm not saying that they only relied on developers, but maybe the ratio of that is, you know, slightly changing as their business model changes.
2: Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I think, look, Roblox's core business is building a platform that developers, great developers want to build great content. And then... The way Roblox monetizes in multiple ways on the platform, right? They they have a they take a piece of everything that happens on the platform when it comes to monetization. Obviously, their their bookings continue to grow. Bookings are basically the, the 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 growth revenue, uh, the amount of money that is being deployed by users in buying the platform currency, the Robux. That's also growing steadily. The rate of growth has also slowed a bit, uh, but the revenue, which is the actual purchases with the platform currency by users, that that grew 100% year, quarter over quarter, year over year. And, and that's impressive because it means that people are actually spending, users are spending much more capital now inside games and on avatar items. Um, and this is where I, I don't envision that kind of changing in terms of where Roblox makes uh, their money. Um, I don't think Roblox charges brands who come into the platform. Roblox has incentive to make sure that great developers build great content and avatar items that then users want to spend money on. The more content they have, the more money will be spent on the platform. The more users will come in and spend even more time. I mean, the hourly engagement on the platform is, is off the charts, unprecedented in terms of the volume of hours spent on the platform. And so I think the incentives of Roblox, in my mind, should continue and be aligned with great content by great developers, finding ways to monetize effectively for the developers. And really what Roblox needs to continue and do is build an ecosystem where users will want to spend more time and more money into experiences. Some of them are native experiences. Some of them are branded experiences. I don't think it matters to Roblox at the moment, which one are they? They just need to continuously expand the content verticals that are available on the platform.
1: Mm. Talking about that, what happened to Roblox between uh, the twenty eighth of October and the thirty first of October?
2: There was a an unfortunate uh, a collection of circumstances uh, from a technical standpoint. As you all know, Roblox is kind of a turnkey platform. They 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 control and manage and own their own data centers. Uh, I don't think they have yet published what has happened. I think Dave Bezukey, the CEO, committed to publish a full report about what exactly happened, but there was a total shutdown and collapse of the Roblox system. No one in the world was able to access Roblox for three full days, which is really unprecedented, especially as you think about company, a company at that scale. Again, it just shows you that this is still a fast-growth company. They have a lot of fundamentals that they need to really make sure that they are ready for, you know, hyper-growth and and a, and a, an even larger volume of players and, and experiences. Um, and I think what I did like about it is they really managed the12 well, ultimately with communication. they have compensated developers according to what developers have um, typically seen their performances. Uh, super social as a developer received, let's call it kind of missing income from the three days that the platform was was off. and I'm sure many other developers have received as well uh, in in prorated according to their performance of their games. Mm. And so I think, I'm always impressed by how genuine and um and upfront Roblox are in communicating with its developer community. I think it's one of their key strengths awesome. and I've always uh, continued to say that the developer community on Roblox is a competitive advantage that is incredibly incredibly difficult to to emulate as as a as another platform. Uh, and I think that level of communication, Uh, is really important. And look, I don't think anyone can guarantee that something like that is not going to happen again. But I think the public markets have been quite forgiving, um, considering that these were three full days that the platform was basically shut down. And funnily enough, it happened in the same day that Facebook announced its change to Meta.
1: Totally uncorrelated.
0: (laughs) That's right. Coincidence? Maybe. I don't know.
2: (laughs) I'm sure there are provocative theories out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so I, I read this report, uh, Jan, that uh, Roblox was investing uh, 10 million in video games that plans that it plans to bring to middle school, high school, and college classrooms. Can you tell us a bit more about that?
2: Yeah. Look, I think the the larger vision of Roblox is obviously to be a platform where all sorts of metaverse experiences are built: games, music, fashion, education, learning. They've mentioned work and TBD what what that is going to look like. Uh, and so I know that education is has being out there as as a focus area for them. I, and I, I agree. I think the possibilities of building immersive interactive experiences that are educational focused, um, is really exciting. I mean, why would you sit in a classroom where you can actually go and travel inside a, an immersive world and go to the Pantheon in in Greece or the Colosseum in Rome and actually be inside the Colosseum when you talk about the Colosseum or watch a, <laughs> watch a competition in ancient... I mean, the, the possibilities are really amazing. Um, obviously, as, and as someone who has been building companies in the past in consumer um, educational technology companies, um it's 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 a challenging space, and so for entrepreneurs to come in and build. Um, and so I think it's really great that Roblox has established a a community fund, as they call it, the Roblox Community fund, uh, where they're allocating ten million dollars to projects either that are built by educators or by entrepreneurs uh, that are really focused on education. Um, and look, I think this is super smart for a couple of reasons. Number one, this is definitely part of the vision of the platform for the long term right they want to be a platform where all sorts of metaverse experiences can be can be can be introduced and engaged number 2 this is a great tactic for user acquisition to the platform what's a better way to introduce kids to roblox who don't know about roblox i don't know how many are there out there in north america who don't know about roblox probably not a lot but what a great way for the rest of the world to learn about the possibilities of the Roblox platform by actually creating a direct connection to classrooms. Classrooms is where kids are at all the time for a big part of their early lives. And so this is a great way for Roblox to build awareness with a global community of, of kids and teens. Um, and, and I think they can do that through this initiative. This is very small scale, 10 million is, is not a lot, but. I'm sure it's going to provide an opportunity for dozens and maybe hundreds of small projects to start being built. Um, And I envision that this this could become a very important growth area for Roblox as you think about remote schools um, and the opportunities of educating young people through immersive experiences on a platform like Roblox. So very smart move. Um, I think it was a long time coming and, again, provides great opportunity to build an even more expansive user acquisition framework for Roblox as they expand globally, because we know that this is important for them.
1: So um, if I understand you correctly, the moment Roblox overtakes Facebook or Meta in market cap, at that point, the average 11-year-old will spend 13 hours a day within Roblox, you know, eight hours of school, and then they're going to, you know, play with their friends, um, maybe meet some family members. Um,
2: That's what you're saying. You know, it's already, I mean, it's already happening. Uh, for people. A lot of these kids spend time basically pretend playing on the Roblox platform. It's such a natural thing for them to learn by spending time on a platform like Roblox, because that's where they like to be. You know, I like the, the notion of, you know, fish where the fish are. Roblox is where kids like to spend their time on. This is where they want to be. This is where they play and meet their friends. It's not a replacement for physical, for the real life, for the real world. It's, it's a great complementary and you can do that with a global community you know my 11 year old niece can connect and play with you know friends from other countries and and I think it's I think it's powerful and and with roblox's focus on trust safety and civility um you know I think this is a very promising area of growth for the company um for you know people to keep an eye on especially as education is obviously in a stage where it needs to be revitalized and and into and, and a new era
1: mm. Yeah, I fully agree. I mean, uh, I follow you, man. I, um, I think education is going to be like a big part of the of the of the metaverse. Um, it just makes so much sense, as you said. To how,
2: how big, how big of a business that could be for Roblox in terms of revenue? Mm. That's obviously still early stage, TBD. Obviously, you know, schools is a whole different thing of how you charge schools. So, but I'm sure Roblox slowly, slowly is going to figure that out. Um, you know, and alongside other verticals like music and 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 fashion and sports um and and you know and the way brands play on the platform you can see that they are they are looking at all of these verticals and and I think it's a really positive sign that they're deploying 10 million dollars which is not a lot of money but it's also not insignificant um to start experimenting with what's possible from an education perspective
1: yeah fully agree what are your thoughts on this Sia? Yeah. yeah I mean I think I think roblox is
0: being very intelligent about how they're thinking about their future. Right. And, but, but the, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty bullish like Jan is as well. Um, But it's, it's on that last point that when I think about like minimum viable futures and how you want to invest, you know, for that, uh, when I see a company that has a market cap as big as they do, and they're investing 10 million, you know, into, you know, products for schools, education for students, because, you know, they also understand that their, you know, primary user base is aging up, right? And so they want to go and, you know, be, like Jan was saying, you know, fish where the fishes are. And so, you know, I think it's a small step in that direction, Um, but it just makes me wonder you know, one could they internally help develop some of this stuff, or are they so focused on building out the platform, the tools, you know, the on ramps uh, that they can't? So they're looking to partner with someone. And 10 million for let's say one or two or three studios is pretty significant. Uh, so it, I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, I'm in a you know wait and see kind of period because I think it's super interesting. Uh, I've developed uh, you know long time ago uh, products for you know uh, children as well, like three plus. Uh, And I've learned a ton, you know, from that experience. And so when you see something like a Roblox coming in, I think the impact that they could have, especially given the zeitgeist of how much of that they take in um, and the amount of, you know, capital that they have in hand, I think they can, if they really wanted to, really lock in that future so that others, you know, it'd be very difficult for others to compete in that space, right? But by just dipping their toe in it just slightly, you know, with 10 million, I I almost feel like they opened the door for others, right? Who are in the metaverse space to potentially go after that vertical. And as we all know, there's plenty of players in the space right now. Right. So that's kind of like where I'm like a little iffy uh, on that particular aspect, but I give them a lot of credit for thinking about it holistically, not just as a, you know, gaming experience, but as part of like your day-to-day life, right. Which I think is going to be pretty amazing into the future.
2: Yeah, I mean look look at some of the look at some of the initiative that they have. They have they've launched the game fund, which is essentially a way for them to provide grants for specific projects where developers want to build aged up experiences, as Roblox called them, right? They've done that, they're doing that. They just launched this education fund. They're working closely with strategic brands who want to come into the platform and they connecting connecting those brands to developers. Um, They have the music department that works on bringing artists into the platform and pairing them with developers. They've done the Gucci Garden partnership where they match Gucci with the developer. And C.A., to your point, they are also being very, very adamant about not building the things themselves. They want to be the mediators to connect developers with these collaborators, with these partners, brands, musicians, schools, um, and empower the developers to build the experiences. And I think Dave Bazuki said multiple times the, the developers on the platform are going to build the Roblox Metaverse, not Roblox themselves. Uh, obviously there is a nice tune to that <laughs> for the developers. so I think that's a smart uh, statement. but I do I do believe it's genuine because Roblox, without its developer community um, is is a platform that anyone can build. The developer community on Roblox, I believe, is its greatest greatest asset.
0: I, I totally agree i mean i i mean it's it's when i look at roblox it's a platform play uh you know they're they're trying to cultivate like you said relationships communities you know developers you know, into their ecosystem um yeah and, and, and but to your point i think they are intelligent about really spreading out and tackling a variety of different areas uh yeah I, I guess i guess for me personally uh you know i i would have loved to have seen them you know invest you know heavily in particular areas versus like saying, hey, we're gonna do the spread coverage and go after, you know, this genre, this genre, this genre, this genre, and then, you know, basically see what bites, right? Because I think they actually have the opportunity to really make significant inroads, you know, understanding their demographic and what they do as, you know, you know, premium or I would say primary activities versus extracurricular activities. Who knows that better than they do and to connect and build that tissue all around like I feel I feel like that's an advantage that they have and to your point maybe they are doing it already. We just don't know. But yeah, I just I, I would love to see them invest a lot more in the in that direction. But maybe they will, right? So
1: time will tell. Mm-hmm. And by the way, CA, I mean to your point of if you start dipping your toes in it as Roblox, you might indicate that there's a demand to other players that might jump in. The good thing is that these days other players are actually only looking at one thing. And that's blockchain. So you know education it's 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 a it's a blue ocean, right? No one no one's looking at it. Anyway, let's um let's move on to the next uh subject related to that. So the uh topic two, um the rise of blockchain infrastructure platforms. So first of all, if you've been listening to the major publishers' earnings reports, virtually all of them mentioned you know blockchain or NFTs. You know some 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 of them. Um, I think it was. I don't know who he was that hired a VP of crypto and then Ubisoft who uh, has, had been looking at, into it for a much longer time. Today, I'd like to answer the question, if you're one of these players or even if you're a smaller games maker, how do you approach you know, building these block blockchain games because you know blockchain games talent they don't have it internally. They're good at making games, not necessarily good at building that stuff on the blockchain. And so, um, yeah, CA, do, do you want to share with us a bit of like how you would think about that as a game developer?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, to your point. I mean, you know, what a what a whirlwind of activity, right? In the in the blockchain space as of late. Uh, I mean, you've seen a variety of different studios just raise, um, you know, just just ridiculous sums of money uh, because they have a point of view on what they want to do within the blockchain space, how they want to become strategic partnerships. So I think the question that you're posing, you know, around, you know, if I'm a game developer. I want to find this strategic platform partner to leverage blockchain NFTs all that stuff like who would I choose? It's actually a really good question mm. and it's actually hard to I think distinguish that unless you go into a certain level of, you know, analysis, you know, really understand what type of products have they launched or is in the hopper, right? What's their potential DAU, you know, unique wallet addresses, you know, level of service, all that stuff, right? So maybe just to set the stage, let's talk about some of the Studios that are out there and like the amount of, you know, revenue that they were the amount of raise that they did recently Right. So if you take a look at someone like wax, you know, they raise 42 million, you know, pretty amazing uh, They have one of the highest DAU games in blockchain in alien worlds that are actually leveraging that platform They're using a, you know, a delegated proof of stake system in order to validate, you know, transactions that are happening, right? Um, then you got guys like immutable you know, who went and built out, you know, various layers of technologies to better power, you know, different games, you know, leveraging, you know, partnerships with like Starkware to do like their layer two, you know, using something called a ZK roll up technique or zero knowledge technique, which is like a validity based, you know, proof system. Then you got like Amioka, you know, Amioka brands, you know, who raised 245 million, you know, for their platform. You have a mythical like where I'm at, you know, 265 million. Uh, you got dapper labs who did a whopping, you know 607 million, right? And then you have you know Forte who is like at the top right now raising just an astronomical you know 910 million. Right in total for the nine hundred and ten. Yeah, because like they had two rounds, right? And so like insane. Incredible, just incredible, right? I mean (laughs) I started off with wax having 42 and then I ended at 910. I mean, this is just an incredible pace of, you know, you know, just venture capital, you know, interest and adoption right now for some really, really big studios, right? Mm. So then if you take a look at everybody and you try to figure out how do they differ in services? Right. Because you could read all the white papers you can go into, you know, uh, you know, uh, their websites and kind of get a glance. But it's still quite hard to really sort out, you know, who is the quote unquote best platform to partner with. So the, the, the approach that I had started taking, at least when I started looking not only at our services, but, you know, the, the, the ecosystem at large and trying to answer this question of yours is trying to really understand, at least in the blockchain community, when they talk about like the blockchain trilemma. Right, and the blockchain trilemma is really around three main areas uh, that you have to be considering uh, if you're going to be developing blockchain-enabled games, which is around scaling, right? Because you have to be able to scale your product in order to attract the right type of audience. But you have to really think about then security, and then you also have to think about decentralization, and so that's the three, you know, trifecta. But you know, there's a there's a common saying. It's very difficult to get all three, right? And in, and in a lot of instances, uh, you have to pick two or one of those things uh, it, when, you're, when, you're, when you're really trying to build out a product because it's almost impossible to get all three. So a lot of the layer one techs, a lot of the blockchain companies are really trying to solve the blockchain trilemma so that they can then be ahead of the curve when you know having these discussions with game developers and so on and so forth. The decision, though, ultimately really comes down to, you know, the individual applications themselves, right? Like, what are you building? You know, what type of product are you building? And so on and so forth. But if we then point at like, OK, let's let's narrow down the scope and say these are all going to be blockchain-enabled games, then what's really important to you as a studio? But more importantly, what's important to your users, your players, right? And when you take that lens against it, um, you have to take a, then, a look at a much deeper look at What do each one of these studios provide? What's their tech stack look like? And, you know, what type of throughput are they really providing? So, for example, you know, some studios offer solutions like sidechains, right? Like you guys, I'm sure, have heard, you know, a million times. So sidechains are like things like, uh, you know, Ronin or Matic, which is great because what did did that allow to happen? It allowed for, you know, scale, you know, interoperability between, you know, contracts on each other's sidechains. Right. But as I just mentioned, there's some drawbacks to that, right, particularly for security and decentralization, um, because those get reduced. There's a higher uh, propensity for them to potentially get, you know, uh, hacked uh, or, you know, get defrauded. But it allows for speed and, you know, scalability. So there's always these like pros and cons that you have to work through, which is really interesting. And so without going into super, super amount of detail, some of the main criteria that as a developer, I would start looking at is things like, um, yeah, uh, throughput versus security. Uh, You know, uh, you know, what type of like wallet integrations do they have? Uh, You know, what's their fiat gateways? You know, meaning, you know, how are they able to ingest, you know, real world dollars, but also more importantly, the other side, right? If I put money in, how do I get money back out? Because uh, that's also very challenging because most people only think about the end. They don't think about the out. Uh, and then you have to think about, I think, the table stakes, right? Um, you know, are you able to create and tokenize, uh, you know, you know, various assets? You know, can you uh, think through onboarding and user experience, right? Um, and, you know, what kind of like ecosystem support do you have uh, and things of that nature? And so, you know, again, we can go on and on and on about this, but those are some of the initial criteria I would look at. And then I'm sure there's, uh, you know, other things that we could probably drill into um, that helps to at least, you know, figure out and have a good point of view on
1: why I want to partner with, you know, this, that, or the other studio. Fascinating. Um, and so, I mean, you just talked about um, Forte raising $910 million. Why, like, what makes them special for you? What, how do they differ from from the others?
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a really interesting question. I mean, if you take a look at, and don't quote me on these numbers, but... I think uh, the last time I saw like that that release when they made the when they made the raise yeah, yeah I saw that too I mean I think they had something like uh, fifteen million DAU is I think what they quoted uh, and they have yeah yeah and they have like forty plus developers that they're working with right I mean that's a lot I mean let let's just be honest that's a lot of you know developers that's probably a lot of scale so a part of me thinks that you know they need the capital to continually to build mm. forte to me at the end of the day when I look at it. Um, they're they're much more of a we're going to be like the platform for blockchain for gaming yeah. right like they're really going after that and they're thinking through um, you know everything that I had mentioned earlier right so they want to be as seamless as possible from a platform integration perspective yeah uh, and so they're working and you know building out all the toolkits all the software. Um, all the on-ramps to allow that to happen. And that's going to take a lot of capital. Because if you think about all those different sections that I had mentioned earlier, I mean, they themselves could be their own studio or company, right? There are already companies out there that are focusing on nothing but wallet integration. There's others that are focusing on you know, the fiat gateways. These are companies by themselves. So if Forte is trying to internalize all of that Mm -hmm. wholly, right, uh, you're going to need a lot of capital, in my opinion, in order to do that, because their burn rate must be crazy. And the fact that they have that many developers, you know, under their portfolio, I think is really interesting, right? But the the kicker to me is, I don't think infra- infrastructure is enough, right? Like, And again, I, I, I don't know, you know, Forte's playbook, I don't know exactly what they're doing, but... When looking at it from the outside end, you know, they're really going after being like, we're gonna be the de facto infrastructure partner, right, for blockchain. In my opinion, um, I don't think that's enough because while yeah. you know, they're developing like this wide sweeping platform aiming to solve all the technology and integration challenges, right? Um, which I think in the long run is gonna become commonplace. And it's an expected set of features that has to be table stakes, right? Similar to Um, you know, publishers that you see right now in, let's say, Web 2.0 kind of world, right? Um, And so, in my opinion, in order to be truly successful, uh, you have to actually also be able to build products on that platform to validate set infrastructure, set technologies, you know, set integrations, because I think it helps to validate, at least in this early stage, various use cases, you know, bugs, iterations, that comes from actually having done the thing, which leads to, like, some of the other vendors that you had mentioned, like Immutable. Right. Like those guys not only built the platform, but they said, hey, we're going to prove ourselves and build on our own platform to validate that everything works and build a community and understand games. And so I think from a developer perspective, that's attractive as well. Right. And it's not a one winner takes all market. I think there's different approaches. But yeah, I think in essence, like you have to have a clear understanding of game development in-game economies, goal formation of users, you know, across their life cycle, right? Ability to develop core and metal loops. You have to really understand that in addition to leveraging the blockchain ecosystem, DeFi protocols, creating new ways of playing, owning and earning, right? And so to me, like, yeah, it's it's all of those things uh, that I think are critical. And so you might need a huge war chest to build all that up uh, on both sides, no matter
1: how you do it. That's a really good take. I like that. I saw um, Forte described as the stripe of blockchain, where it's like a real end-to-end solution. Um, everything's fully regulated. Um, it's super easy for uh, like both the developer and the user to, to get through the whole thing. Um, I found that a, a pretty like a good description.
2: I, I think another another benchmark I would I would use is in a way kind of similar to the evolution of cloud computing platforms. If you think about AWS. Really, you're talking about a wide array of things. Um, I think Stripe is interesting, but in my mind is it's a bit different because Stripe created all kind of very distinct products that are all around the operation of an internet company on the internet. I think of where we are on blockchain is like and I was asking myself like a year ago, who's going to build the AWS of the of, of the block on blockchain and i think probably
1: but the blockchain is aws <laughs> <laughs> that is
2: that is a good way to think about it but but you know but i think on blockchain who is going to build an aws for every product category because gaming is not going to be like any other like other things and and so to to see point I'm not, I'm not going to be surprised if it, within the next six months, you're going to see Forte raising like another half a billion, another billion. Right? Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised because if your play is really building that end-to-end infrastructure and you need to build all of those possibilities and it's chain agnostic and it can be private or public, right, and it can do all of those things and it can be compliant. I mean, you're talking about a massive, massive capital investment. and. And by the way, that will definitely put them ahead of the curve against other potential competitors, Um, but it may not fit to everyone, right? Maybe it would fit a certain subset of game studios. Maybe other studios are going to want things that are more lean, more free, because I think the downside of, of thinking of Forte is that they will be a centralized place. They will centralize all of those things, and that probably is an advantage for simplicity, but what are the disadvantages of that? And I think the disadvantages of that is you're not going to have maybe enough flexibility as a developer. Maybe I'm wrong, but just thinking through, what are the pros and cons? Um, and and then one word on the funding. I don't think the amount of funding at the moment is really. Uh, you, you see different platforms raising different amount of capital. I think really it's in the context of what is being built. And obviously Forte is trying to do something very very large scale, very ambitious, and probably this last round, seven hundred million. Is one more step in that direction, and again, I wouldn't be surprised if more capital is going to come in very soon because they're going to have to scale fast.
1: Yeah, that's a good take.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, I, I I don't think we're seeing the last rounds of funding at all. Um, I think as you know, I mean, because if you really think about it, a lot of the blockchain studios that are out there right now that are gaining a lot of attention, um, I mean, they've been working on this stuff for two, three years. Right. Like they've been kind of flying under the radar, you know, quietly building, you know, their infrastructure, their platform, their points of view across all of this. So, you know, it part of that, the outcomes that they were looking for is starting to come to fruition now. Right. Which is, I think, where the investors are getting really excited uh, because they're starting to see the the labors, I mean, the fruits of those labors. Right. And so I, I totally agree with that statement. But one of the things that Jan touched on, I think um, it's actually really critical is around compliance and, you know, legalities, right? If you look at that space, I mean, just, so I'll just talk about North America because I, I, I don't know all the legalities in other parts of the world yet, but, you know, it has to be a major focus. And, you know, I can't say with 100% confidence that all the studios that, you know, were mentioned, um, if that's a massive, you know, part of, you know, their offering. Because I know, for example, at Mythical, um, we've spent an inordinate amount of time, you know, with you know, uh, you know, our general counsel or uh, outside counsels, uh, to really figure out compliance and have a really strong point of view on what we can or cannot do. Because it's not only beneficial for us, to, uh, but it also provides guidance on, um, you know, our game partners as well. Because you have to have a strong point of view, and having come from the traditional gaming space, free-to-play space, what have you. We expect our products to be global in nature, right? And so navigating through that entire landscape, uh, especially when it's like changing on an hourly, weekly, monthly basis, it will make your head spin. So I can also see capital being deployed to ensure that you're having conversations, you know, with legal and with counsel, with the lawmakers, not just in the particular area your business is operating in that geo, but globally as well. And that takes a huge amount of resources, capital and effort to do. So I think that's a really critical piece. And as a developer, that's something that I would absolutely put at the top of my list, right? Because there's a lot of studios that are operating right now in the gray. And, you know, if some legislation comes down and you're just not on top of it, sure, you might have had a windfall in the last like year or two developing and leveraging your products in a certain way. But what happens if one pillar of your product gets pulled away? Right. It could create uh, you know, massive downturn. Right. So I think that's a very critical piece that, yeah, Jan, I think you touched on that should be really considered. The other part is. Um, I think when it comes to, yeah, just uh, leveraging the technologies. I know you mentioned like cloud computing, uh, and and this is tangential to that, but really thinking through like automation and, you know, workflows and being able to actually take in like, you know, various protocols and being able to develop unique use cases. Right. And so, you know, things like, you know, for example, um, I know one of the things that we're working on, and I believe Forte is working on this as well. You know, we want there to be this idea around like automation for, let's say, uh, you know, uh, marketplaces, right? Like I don't necessarily have to wait. So let's say Jan has an NFT or, you know, he has some ERC-20 tokens from a game. You know, he puts it up on market. Like we don't want to be like eBay in the sense of you got to post something and wait. For a bunch of people to take a look and then have track you want that to be instant right you want it to be fast and there are ways that you can automate that entire process while making it so that the user experience is amazing but the studio that's providing that service let's say like mythical we also are able to arbitrage some of that so that we also can you know keep the lights on but it's just a win-win for everybody and to me that's just like scraping the surface right there's so much more of that that we can do which is my last point around um, um, composability, right? There's a lot of talk around, like, how does that actually work, especially in today's world where, you know, layer two technology. So just for like the general audience, if layer one technology like Ethereum is like the main, the main net where all this happens, where the transactions that get occurred, you know, various studios like Immutable built a layer two technology, right? That takes advantage of the, the securities that come from the main net layer one. Right. And it allows for that, you know, transaction volume and so on and so forth. But due to that, you might lose some function potentially around composability around smart contracts. So then you solve for one problem. Now you've introduced potentially another one, which allows proliferation of that technologies. And so it's these things that, again, when I talk about like minimum viable futures, you have to be thinking about the future in that way, because it's not just about the now, it's into the future. How do you leverage all these technologies to do it? And that's another razor that I would take when thinking about who do I want to partner with, not just for the now into like a year or two to make my game come out, but Way into the future, five, 10 years from now, how are they thinking about things in the broader ecosystem so that we can actually build you know the metaverse together, if that makes sense?
1: Makes a lot of sense. I was gonna say that I, I expected um like the Fortnite of the blockchain games would be you know built straight, like natively on the blockchain, like so that the company would not partner with one of these these different platforms, but I can I can see that. The game developers out there would partner with one of the platforms just because of what you said. Where the space is still evolving so much that if you have someone who takes care of, of of managing, you know, the changes in these blockchains for you, and you can focus on the game, I think that makes a lot of sense for for most uh, most game developers out there. Cool. All right, then um, that was an interesting talk uh, on that topic. Thanks, Ye and, and, and Jan. Let's um, let's move on to our, our final topic of today, which is Riot. So Riot, as I said, I'm a fanboy. Um, and and yesterday they dropped uh, a cool announcement. So there are four games from Riot coming out or being dropped. And all of them are coming out of Riot Forge. So CA, you can you can give a, a short intro for that um, later. I'll, I'll, I'll just quickly talk through the games. So first game was Song of Nunu. So basically they're all around the League of Legends lore. So Nunu is, is a champion in League of Legends. And that's a single player narrative adventure. It's coming out in 2022. Then two games dropped. So first is Hextech Mayhem, which is a rhythm runner. Um, I saw so you can get it on Steam and on Epic Game Store and on other platforms. The Switch as well, I think. It costs nine euros for me. Uh, it was announced last week, but there is another game which is called Ruined King, which is a turn-based single-player RPG, which is also out now, which was 30 euros. Um, I don't know what the price that would be in, in dollars or pounds or whatever, but that game looked really good. Like, I, I, I was really excited when I saw that, so I'm uh, I'm going to get it for sure soon, and I'm going to be playing it whenever I find a, a sliver of time in my day. And then finally, they also announced Convergence, which is a 2D platformer also coming 2022. First, CA, can you talk a bit more about Ryan, Riot Forge and what, what the plan there is? Yeah, so Riot Forge
0: is Riot's, uh, basically their their player developer publishing arm, right? So, you know, as... You know, you know, years ago, I think the kind of like meme was, you know, Riot's a, you know, one one trick pony, essentially, because they had League of Legends. You know, will they ever build another product? And lo and behold, like it's, it's so crazy to me because I'm also a, a Riot fanboy um, having them go from just being a single game studio to being a multi, you know, multi game studio. Um, I think it's part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's just part of their strategy, which I think and is media. fantastic. Yeah, exactly, and multimedia and as well, right? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but uh, Arcane pulled me in in a way that I don't, don't spoil. I have uh, not going to spoil Please. anything. <laughs> All I'm saying is just it just pulled me in into like the League of Legends lore in, in a way that you know I, I didn't think that it could. It, it just like revitalized my interest in that IP in a significant way. Okay, right. So Riot Forge is just a really great way of, you know, Riot leveraging their expertise, but then also recognizing that it doesn't have to just be, you know, internally developed, Mm. right? Because like League of Legends, all internally developed, you know, pretty much you know with various offices around the world but now they're understanding that there are new ways and new partnerships that can be had with very talented developers around the world to really expand upon that IP and you know potentially create new IPs from it mm-hmm. and so that's what Riot Forge is all about at a very you know macro level I uh, would love to hear from someone from Riot just as a plug for Nico and the, and the MetaCast like would love to hear someone officially from their you know their studio talking about like their long-term vision but that's how I see it and yeah, these projects—the uh, Ruin King one, like the turn-based strategy one, like the partner that they, you know, uh, uh, develop. I mean, that did they develop with? I think they're called like Airship Studios or Airtight Studios, because um, it's it's essentially Battle Chasers, which was a great game, turn-based RPG uh, with a twist. Uh, and the fact that they're able to, you know, come up with a variety of different games and different genres, even though uh, from a creative direction perspective, it's slightly different from League of Legends, you can still instantly recognize like, oh, that's a that's a League IP, right? And I, I just really like the thinking around that. And I just can't wait to see what else they have in store. Because I know at one point they, rumored, they were rumored to have a a fighting game in the works. And I'm like, when? <laughs> you know, when is that coming out? Because uh, I'm a fighting game fanboy. So it's just like, I, I can't wait for that. So I'm geeking out, yeah, yeah, yeah. basically, is what I'm saying.
1: And, and now now you know that they might just drop it tomorrow, right? You, you never know. So every, every day could be today, See? Yeah. Every Every That's day right. you wake That's up. That's right. And,
0: like, and, I, and I really like that too, yeah. right? Like, the, I, I love this idea around... Like forget the forget the teasers and like you know like this long drawn out process. I mean it's been long enough. I mean they've been working diligently behind the scenes, and the fact that they just kind of make this announcement, it's very like Nintendo and Apple esque to some degree. It's like hey, here's a thing, awesome, awesome, awesome. Oh by the way, you can go get it right now.
1: Oh my oh. gosh, I was like yes, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So. Jan, what do you think the the the, the strategy behind all this is?
2: Yeah, I mean I am very impressed by what Riot have been doing for the past two years. Um, I believe this is kind of potentially the first vertically integrated, large-scale, multimedia brand coming from a game Um, in a level that I think probably we have never really seen happening at that cohesiveness. We have seen Pokemon. We have seen Super Mario. Obviously, Pokemon, I think, the biggest franchise in the history at the moment, Uh, over a hundred billion dollar of, you know, lifetime revenue from all of the different things that Pokemon has done. Um, But I think what Riot is doing with League of Legends, you know, animated TV shows, uh, music bands, virtual bands, um, more games. More games built by third party developers based on the IP of League of Legends Mm that's like a whole level of sophistication. Um, And they're they're like taking the League of Legends franchise to new heights. And I have no doubts, I might be wrong, but I don't have doubts that this is a strategy that they have been working on for five to seven years. This is not something that has happened half hazardly. Oh, it's a really well thought out strategy on the TV show, the music, the characters, like I bet that there was a leadership meeting five, seven years ago of like, what's our vision for League of Legend? And a lot of those things have been outlined. I'm sure there's more. And so it's just inspired. you know, as a company builder and as an entrepreneur, I'm just inspired by what Riot is doing. The most impressive company in my mind in, in the world of gaming at the moment, in the world. Um, I wish they would have been a publicly traded company because I would have not hesitated to put a chunk of my liquid capital into into their stock. It's such a shame that they are owned by Tencent for all of our fans, all of the fans out there. Um, But really impressive execution. I think the sky's the limit for what they can do. What I'm impressed the most is how thoughtful they are, how meticulous they are in their execution of their strategy. Um, And when you think about starting to Break down the IP into so many more possibilities. Um, the sky's the limit for them. They they could become a an aged up version of Disney in the future uh, with the type of IP they're building. I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, rule out um, uh, live live action uh, superhero uh, movies in cinema. I wouldn't rule out theme parks in the future. Um, I wouldn't rule out any of this, especially as they have the the deep pocket backing. And ownership of Tencent. Mm. Uh, think about that. The level of creativity paired with the passion of their IP combined with the balance sheet of Tencent as the owner. I mean, the possibilities are endless. And so very impressive. Can't wait to play um, the platformer. I think that's the one that tracked kind of, you know, uh, uh, touched me the most. I love platformers. Um, and I think it's a phenomenal expansion of the League of Legends brands to, 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 to the next frontier. And I'm also as a metaverse builder, right with Super Social. I'm curious at how Riot thinks about number one metaverse and about decentralization as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Cool. All right.
0: Yeah, I I I think their I think their world building uh that they've been able to capitalize on is it, it is pretty next level. Right? Because if you think about really big IPs uh you know you know that that's out there that's been You know used and abused to death right uh i mean and and this is no knock on any ip i think it's hard to create you know worlds but let's say for example uh one of the most overused ips in the marketplace right i love this ip you know warhammer there's been so much warhammer stuff that's been out there and it's totally hit or miss right um but you know and then and then you've got you know people in the middle. You know, like uh, you know, you know, Rovio tried to do it with Angry Birds in a multimedia, you know, game kind of fashion, and then you got like the new age of like Marvel, uh, and you know, Disney, you know, you know, really actually thinking about quality, leveraging license and so on and so forth. But the fact that Riot came out in this way, uh, and understood that their League of Legends IP is massive, they built this amazing world with individual characters that also have deep histories that they knew that their players wanted to explore further. I mean, and, you know, there's there's constantly new stuff coming out. It's, it's almost an endless cycle of creative content pipeline that they can go as far and deep and wide as they want to, which, you know, to Jan's point, I think is super, super interesting. And yeah, I, 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 I give them a lot of credit for thinking through it in this way. And I'm really excited to see what else they're going to come up with.
1: Mm-hmm. It was uh, a few months ago when we did a round of bold predictions and Florian, his bold prediction was that um like in the next years we'll see or at one point we'll see a major ip come games up um and i feel like today that's actually you know coming through that prediction is already coming through it's only a few months since he said that so uh, that was a that was a very a very good bold prediction i'm um, uh, i'm personally like if they ever bring like a world of warcraft style like massive uh, online rpg man i'm sold sign me up I'm gonna lock myself up, take a holiday for a month, and then uh, just grind that shit out. That's uh, that's my kind of stuff. <laughs> that sounds like your bold prediction right there. <laughs> yeah, I was actually gonna say because you already touched on it. My my bold prediction was gonna be um, I think that you know um, League of Legends is gonna be as as big as the Avengers is you know today uh, IP wise with all of the you know different. Uh, Storylines, um, you know the different tiers of superheroes, all that stuff. Um, yeah, that was going to be my uh, maybe not so bold prediction. Now, like with with, with, <laughs> with what you guys said,
2: uh, I I like bold predictions in the form of market cap uh, prediction, but it's not possible with Riot. But I will I will say this, and maybe building on on what you said, Nico. Mm-hmm. Um, my prediction I don't know if it's that bold, but my prediction by by twenty twenty five we're going to see uh, the first one, two, maybe even three. Uh, live-action, Marvel-like uh, uh, movies in cinema, in IMAX, based on League of Legend IP. I, I, I almost have no doubt.
1: Okay, nice, yeah, cool.
0: See ya. Um, so I'll just go off the deep end here, uh, since it's bold prediction times. Uh, go. So look, like like you guys touched on it, um, you know, Riot as a company is owned by Tencent. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tencent has their fingers And a variety of different companies, you know, both, you know, domestic and global, you know, they're starting to think about, you know, metaverse, you know, in whatever construct that there is. I think in like the next five years, we're going to see a blend uh, of like League of Legends IP with some other IPs all living cohesively in one world. I think I think their first foray into quote unquote metaverse is going to be through that angle. They're going to use League of Legends as a gateway to attract as many people as possible. But it's not just going to be like League of Legends. It's going to be, yeah, I don't know, uh, whatever else they have in their pipeline all mixed together. And I think they're going to try to, you know, operate uh, some interoperability of games, ideas, all into their, you know, inclusive metaverse that they're going to build out. But yeah, in
1: the next five years, I think that's going to happen. Sign me up. Cool. All right. Yes, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> uh, all right. Very good. Um, that's it for this episode. Thanks, CA. Thanks, John. You guys are, as usual, fantastic. I love having you on. Um, listener, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, give us a, a review. Um, you can also join our Discord if you want to join the conversation. You can find us uh, on Twitter, LinkedIn, and all that jazz. And with that, the Metacast is out, and we we look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.